0: Charles Wesley, when he gets the John he gets some credit for it, he comes to realize that how we live our lives, man. Not only for ourselves. Does anybody know? This is kind of funny. Does anybody know where John and Charles Wesley went and get congregate members? He didn't go to start a Methodist church. He didn't start a new, he was actually trying to build up the church in England, the Anglican church. He went to the bars. He went to the bars, most of the Wesleyan tunes, which we don't really have a whole lot in our handle, which is kind of funny. Uh, The Baptists have more uh, Charles Wesley songs than we have. That's just kind of a funny thing. He went to a bar of our tunes. He realized that all people needed salvation. And how did they live their life? And when people started living their life a certain way, their lives changed. Chaos started becoming less. They started coming, and more of the church was being built up, and they were living. Because living our lives to honor God, there's a couple reasons for it, a couple reasons. Number one, the Bible tells us, the Word of God tells us that we're working to our salvation every day. Every day, and there's going to be a sermon or a Bible teaching about salvation and sanctification. John Wesley would call that, in the three graces, John Wesley would call that sanctification. Once we're saved, once we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're justified, and then our goal, that is not to stop the stop place, people. Amen. It is not to stop the place. The cross is the beginning of a new life. And the new life has, we're supposed to live, and John wants to call that sanctification. Sanctification means to love like Jesus Christ. It doesn't really need to be a sinless life, but to love the way Jesus loved. And, and that's our goal in life, is to get to that point. Let me give you great news, great news. Jesus is coming back. You know how I know that? You know how I know Jesus come back? Because the word of God tells me he's coming back. I know that without a doubt, because the word of God is true. And it's always, it's always been proven true, and it's true, and it's true. And it's true. Jesus is coming back, but Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, we haven't gotten to the sermon yet, it's a warm-up. Revelation 20, 15 says, if your name is not in the book of life, you will be thrown into that everlasting fire. What is our goal to live a sanctified life? Not, it's not so much to be saved but we be sure of our salvation. is to make sure others that don't know Jesus don't get thrown into the lake of fire. That's the ultimate love of Jesus. That no person should perish without knowing the love of Jesus. So that's our goal. That's our goal in life. And Paul, in his infinite wisdom, he writes to the Romans and he gives them some advice. And that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, starting off at verse 9. There we go. And I think be used a hair different than that. But Lord help us. I need the magnifying glasses to see that. I'm going to look here. Mine might be a little bit different. Uh, uh, love must be true. Chapter 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Abhorring evil. clinging to good. Devoted to one another and brotherly love. Trying to outdo one another and showing respect and eagerness, not sluggishness forever in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, pre- persevering in affliction, uh, persisting in prayer, sharing what you have with the needs of the saints. Persu- uh, for pursuing hospitality, you must continually bless those who persecute you. You must continually bless, and you must not, and you must you must stop cursing. Make sure I got that right. To reject with. Uh, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep, being in the same mind with one another, not being proud, but yielding the lowly, menial tasks. Do not ever become wise in your own estimation, and by and by not paying back evil against evil, taking through for good for all mankind. This is the word of God for the people of God. They know the Lord's you just heard the infallible, and I didn't just try and say it quite right, but you just heard the infallible word of God. This is the word of God. But you're right. Here we go. All right, we'll work on that. Excited, people. Are you not excited about being in the presence of God? but no, I am. I always excited about Sunday morning service. Not because I'm a preacher. I always excited about Sunday morning service. I did not before I become a preacher. So we're going to just kind of break this down real quick and look at a couple things. Love must be sincere. Well, I'm telling you what—that—that is that good. And Paul writes about this in First Corinthians. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Chapter thirteen. Let so me tell you about Corinthians. Uh, I did an in-depth Bible study while back in Corinthians, and I have used First Corinthians chapter thirteen for weddings, that weddings. and it is a good marriage. It is a good marriage. Uh, a chapter. I've going on a couple of funerals. But do you know why Paul writes to the Corinthians? Letters 22, 2, probably a letter in the middle Letter we don't have, is that was a dysfunctional church. And they were, te- they were treating each other bad. So Paul writes this letter to them. And he says, And yet I am showing you a better way. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I become sounds of a brass or a clashing symbol. Now if I have to give the gift of prophecy. That I would have known all the mysteries and all the knowledges. and if I have all the faith and says so sows the move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. That I that I and I could give away all my belongings bit by bit to help the poor. That I should give over my body, that it, I should give over my body so that I can boast in it, but if do not have love, I benefit. Paul's telling us there, and the whole thing was on even more, Paul's telling us there that love must be sincere. We must really honestly look at ourselves, and do we love the people around us? Do we love the, the church people? It's easy, it's easy to love our friends. It's easy to love those who are like us. It's easy to love those who are family. Uh, it's easy to love certain people. But do we have a love for humanity? Do we have this love for humanity? Do we have a love for the lost? Do we have this love for the lost that goes along there? And somehow I messed up my pages here. Let me back up here. We don't have all the votes today. But but, basically, we were. Time to do the right thing. It's always the right time to do the right thing. Do what is good. Do what is good. You know, uh, art. know art? Dance for active. Uh, uh, you know, just random kindness. Acts of random kindness. Yeah. Just doing stuff. Have you ever seen somebody need? Somebody struggling? Just do something to help them a little bit. And how much more are you going to make your day? Devoted to one another in brotherly love. And he's talking about the sense of the church here. We're going to be devoted to each other in brotherly love. If you're a member of this church, really, if you're a member of the Christian family, uh, you're, you're to be in love with one another. We're, we're to love the Baptist down the street or the Church of God or the Church of Christ. Because you know what? I have a newsflash for us all. They all worship the same Jesus that we worship. They're all going to the same place that we're going. And the Christian community needs to come together. And we need to come together and we need to treat each other with brotherly love. What I like there, the next verse right here, trying to outdo one another and showing respect. What was the last time you tried to outdo your neighbor, the person sitting next to you? What was the last time, you know, you've seen somebody with really a greeting like, oh, I'm going to go give a big response later, but what was the last time that, that you tried to outdo one another and show love to another person? Think about if we did that all of a sudden. It's easy again in the church. Let's go to Walmart line. Walmart is my favorite place to take on. Because I, I, it's, it's like driving in a land of crap. I just really don't like to go there. can we, can't, we can't stop by Walmart. Daddy never tells me, it. oh, we're going to, oh, yeah, we're going to stop at Walmart too. Right? But so here we go up. when we go over to Walmart, I go, to my favorite place to think of. Now that we have check-out cashier, Checkout check-out people have. The when they do, the person doesn't seem to go out and run the register. And so what do we normally do to that person? You know, we're, we've been in line for a half hour, 45 minutes. What do we do when we get to register? Usually we're ill, are we not? And what about if we outdid the other person? Show them love. Just show them love. Show them kindness. Uh, show them kindness. Because how do we live our life matters? How do we live our life? Uh, persevering in affliction that's going to Walmart. For resisting in prayer, I've been in a lot of prayer at Walmart. Let me tell you what. I in a lot of prayer at Walmart. Uh, share what you have with the share what you have with the needs of the saints. We live in a different culture in which this was written. At this time the church was persecuted and in, in, a lot of times if you were a Christian and you were a Christian, you didn't have a job. And so those who had jobs to share with others. But even in our own church, I mean, the church is still the biggest demographic people of all cultures of life. There's some people that need more help than other people. And are we willing to help? Are we willing to show the love and to help them? Uh, being of the same mind with one another, being of the same mind with one another, it doesn't mean that we can't disagree. It doesn't mean we Mean is at the end of the day, we must realize that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Savior, and Jesus is the head of this church. Jesus is who is in charge of this church. He's the head of this church. He has made us, myself and you, stewards of this church. And so here we are. The next one I like is you need to do the lonely mental task. We can go here to the foot washing. The foot washing, you see that story in John. The foot washing comes along and it's the Last Supper and and they're going along and they take their shoes on and Jesus comes down and washes his feet. Why that is, it was up getting in a real short time here. Uh, The feet are still something funny to the Middle Eastern people. The feet are something funny to them. And the person that would have been washing would have been a servant girl. But it possibly could have a, a small young, probably five uh, eight years old, maybe ten years old, would have sat at the door of a person's house, and somebody come in, they'd walk around with sandals on their feet, or walk around with animals on the street, or whatever they, uh, they would have sat in chairs, took their sandals off, and that person would have washed their feet. It's the lowliest, lowliest passage. John, uh, John, John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy of the kind of sandals of Jesus' feet. It means I'm not even worthy to do the lowest task for Jesus. That's what John John the Baptist was talking about there. Yielding to do the lowest menial task. Are we willing, when we see something that needs to be fixed in the house of God, are we willing to do it? Are we willing to just say, I know it's outside, I know I'm still learning the customs of the church. People sign up to mow the grass and, and they Philip. I mean, been your quite filthy your classroom. they a great job. Uh, but are we, willing to, are we willing to sign a name on the dotted line and say, I'll, I'll take off Saturday morning if I mow the grass. Oh, wait a minute. There's some spots in the church that need to be painted. You don't have to be the trustee to do work in the house of God. Let me just say that up front. Right. You do not have to be the trustee to do work in the house of God. Only, the church is There's always something that needs Screw it easy to something that we done. And, and we are willing to say, okay, I'm going to do something beyond Sunday at the house of God. Am I going to do something beyond Sunday? Am, am I willing to do whatever it takes to move on? Uh, and, and on that job. You know, the, the menial tasks of the church, the menial tasks in each other's lives, are we willing to do that? Uh, we're we're going to be praying constantly. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing, and you're thinking, "Well, how do I do that? I have this constant conversation going on with Jesus all the time." is so going to say, "Who are you talking to?" Jesus. That'll shut him up every time. When you're talking to yourself, and somebody says, "Who are you talking to?" Just say, "Jesus." Would you like to join the conversation? It'll shut him up. I promise you it. But Jesus goes along, and here's the question. Prayer is not always "Oh, Holy Heavenly Father in our form of our corporate prayer. The question I'll ask you is who is Jesus to you? Is Jesus' this heavenly body way far away and, and you've got to show all this stuff? Or is Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit living inside you living here in the presence of this room and he is more than just God he is also our friend. And he is the one that leads us and helps us and guides us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, because Jesus is my friend, I can talk to him, like I'm talking to another friend. Thank Jesus going up the road. Trust me, driving in the land of traffic, I have learned to pray right and, and So go along down there. Persisting his prayer. Go on. Pursuing hospitality. Pursuing hospitality. Uh, and inviting people into the church. I some like, people we don't invite people to church. You invite them into the relationship with God. You invite them into the very presence of God. That's what worship is, is being in the presence of God. Uh, and so we go along with all these things. The one I like is stop cursing. You're going to have to get to know me. Those who get to know me a little better. I was an aircraft maintenance guy. I, I double highlighted. 23 years, of not an excuse, but if I get mad, guess what happens? The old letter continues to pop out, and you will hear, occasionally, a word that you are not here for the reason. You should, should back that bad of a word, but occasionally you will. I mean, I'm just going to warn you up front, all right? We'll confess that sin right up here up front. But why does all of this, oh, persecute you? Uh, bless those who persecute you. He talks about this. Let me work my page. This time. He talks about this in Luke chapter six, verse twenty-eight. You must do good to those who hate you. You must. Not if you feel like it. Not if it feels well. This is why we cannot live totally on our emotions with our relationship with Jesus. You must. Habitually bless those who curse you, you must continue to be in prayer on behalf of those who abuse you. That's a hard pill to swallow is not? But the word of God says for those who dislike us, those who have hurt us, for those who are going along, we must be in constant prayer and try to bless them. I promise you, I'll do a sermon on forgiveness one day, because I, I, uh, the other thing it. Is start praying for somebody. Somebody you don't really like, start praying for them. Start praying blessings upon them and see their life change. You'll be the miracle of somebody else's life. And, and so going along here, why is this important? I mentioned all the other reasons why this is important. Because we're working on our salvation today. It's the Word of God. The word of God is important in our life. Jesus is coming. but we're, we're trying to be sanctified. But here's the other reason this is important. This is why how we live our lives is important. In personal holiness and sanctification. We may be, how we treat somebody else, may be what leads them to Jesus Christ. How we treat somebody else may be how they live Christ. Uh, among those highest, uh, 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 I the guy, guy i like, He goes along, and when I first somebody gave me there somebody gave me this devotional, was a year-long devotional, and I was doing it the first time I had done it. I had done it, uh, I'd done it by myself, and somewhere in the middle of October, <laughs> and there was something going on in my life at the time that was just stressing me out. Somebody was just treating me bad, and it was just stressing me out. And, and in the middle of this devotion, Charles uh, I start to think guys say out. No, there we go. There he go. He writes in there, the current affliction you're going through may not be for your own edification. It may be for the person that's watching you. What? I'm having a hard enough time in line without being the guinea pig for somebody else to come to Christ. You know what I mean? Anybody else look to that? But you know, that's how God works. That's how God works. Hey, I, you know, he tells Peter, I'm going to sift you. What points what are you come out stronger? And those people that see you being sifted by me and see your faith during that time of sifting, oh, they're going to come to faith too. Because they see the strength that you have and the hope that you have that's in Jesus. They see that that hope you have in Jesus there. And uh, the whole thing with this, I'm going to back up to chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, to the compassion of God, to present your bodies holy, living offerings, pleasing to God, your spiritual service, and stop being conformed to this age. You must, from the inside, continually, continually be changed into another form, By the renewing of your mind, prove what is good and what is pleasing in the perfect will for God and for you. That's how that chapter started off. So let me ask this question here. If you get ready to close the service down, how are you honestly? Let's just get real, real quick. Uh, I know many times when I'm with the guy sitting in the fuse, The preacher would preach, and boy, he would just be straining the car, you know, or straining the music there. And he would give the altar call. I was too embarrassed. Let me ask this question: Is how when we read this here, how are we living our life? How are we honest? How are we honest before God? Here's the great thing about God: He knows how you are before you even say it. He knows how you are before you even say it. And uh you know what? You can sit there, you whether you refuse, but you can come down to the, it's not an altar, to communion rail. You can come down and be in the presence of God. How many of those man I'm all right? I know the blessings of God. You know, you don't need to come to the communion rail just because we have a problem. We come in the gratification of God. But I think the invitation. Is if you feel that, or you in a chair there, as we close with this last song, as we close with this last song, how are you honestly? How is that relationship with the Savior? You know, there's walls. We built these walls between us, but the cross comes to break them down. You know, and God comes. We we're the ones that build the walls, and God comes to break them down. Let us pray real quick. Dear Lord, our heavenly Father, by your grace, we are no longer bound. We are no longer called to the grave. We're called to your glory. Lord, let us help us to lead lives that are pleased and honored. Glory to you. I do a lot of in-time reading study and kind of a hobby of mine. Uh, but one thing, let me tell you, that I know, that the, right before the end, there'll be a great revival. And if you really watch what's going on in the world today, all the news tells you is about that entry and all the problems of the world, but there is a shaking going on. The Lord is moving. There's more people coming to Christ today than there's been in a long time. We may not see it. We don't see it so much because why? We are asleep. The psalm says, "Wake, awake! Be awake and be alive. Watch what's going on. And be prepared to give a testimony of your faith every day of week. Why do we need to study your Bible? Why do we need to be in prayer? Why do we need to live right? And so we need to be ready to give that testimony. We need to invite people into a relationship with Jesus. Because the end is near. The end is near. Dear Lord a Heavenly Father, as we come, we humble ourselves, awaken us, awaken our soul, throw that fire down upon us, Lord, that the Holy Spirit consume us, burn what is bad, and continue to grow what is good. And that we can be a witness into the world. We can be a witness to everywhere we go. Not to just grow a church and church members, Lord. That we can grow people in Christ. We can make disciples of Jesus Christ. that we'll go out and share their faith. And more will come, Lord. Let us be alive in you. awake, in you, Lord. And Lord, we ask you this with great excitement. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The whole church was awake and said? Amen. Fairly good. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha